well, you know, I, I had some kind of intro. I had an intro. I had an intro. I had it. I had it 30 seconds ago. I had it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, ah, <laughs> that'll be fun. Way to start the episode. I had it. And now it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Hmm. Well, this is how we're starting. I'm recording. So I'm live as well. That's how it happens, you know? Like, no one likes to tune out. You guys have been. Yeah. 100%. You guys have been tuning in and getting a glimpse of our lives in passing already. Years. 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 And um, what's that saying about a river? It's like you stick your hand in the river and you pull it out and you stick it back in and it's never in the same place. Oh. Isn't that saying? I don't I don't think so. But that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard def- it. If it's cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's what this is. Okay. You stick you sticking your hand <laughs> in the river. Okay. <laughs> Did you Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very paraphrased, you know, <laughs> saying from Daryl's childhood or something. Uh No, what this is, I do have to mention though. Um, there could be a point today. The our midwife is supposed to come for a postnatal appointment. So at some <laughs> point, maybe during this recording, we're gonna have to take a little pause because that that is actually the priority for me. Um, but welcome to No Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. And every week. Every single one, we watch a Fast and Furious. Actually, I can't say that anymore. We're bi-weekly now, right? Mm-hmm. Bi-weekly. It's Every nice. two weeks. <laughs> this podcast sucks so hard. Every two weeks, we watch a Fast and Furious movie, and we talk about it. But not this week. This week is our in-betweener. We're between cycle 25 and 26. And so we throw up a little poll on Patreon, and we get our... Glorious patron, potentially multiple, (laughs) (laughs) to vote on which movie we should watch in between cycles. And this time, it was chosen that we should watch the 2002 Surfer movie, co-starring Michelle Rodriguez, Mm -hmm. called Blue Crush. Daryl, have you ever seen this movie before today? Or yesterday? Yes, I have. You have? Yes. I've watched it, I think, twice. Okay. But it's been a while. More than more than a decade since I've last watched it. Twice prior to this screening. I think so. At least. Mm. Probably not more than that. Okay. How was your watch through? I This was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Oh, um, okay. So I just want that. I'm going to put that out there. I've never seen Blue Crush before. I remember I remember seeing a trailer for this movie in front of something else. What that something else is, I can't remember. I was like maybe 11 and I saw mm-hmm. a trailer for this. It was 2001. What was I going to see in the movie theater in 2001? National Treasure. I mean... Maybe that movie's good. I think that's 2005. I think that's 05. 
Okay, okay. So, a little later. I just just think I, I can't remember if I saw National Treasure in the movie theater, but I was worried watching that movie actually fairly recently, and it's pretty good. Holds up. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched National Treasure at home, but I for mm. sure went to the movie theater for National Treasure <laughs> Book of Secrets? With <laughs> the Book of Secrets yeah. with a few of my high school friends. So I was just trying to place it somewhere in our movie-watching history. But. <laughs> I just heard it. That's so crazy. Book of Secrets. I think Book of Secrets is pretty good, too. <laughs> I like both those movies. Um, for a long time, my favorite Twitter joke that I ever made was that if they ever made a three, I wouldn't die. I would just sort of ascend into heaven because I would just be done seeing all good things on this earth if they ever made a <laughs> national treasure three, which uh-huh. unfortunately they have not. And instead, like everything else, they have made like a shitty spinoff 10 episode Disney Plus series. Ugh. Yeah. It's okay. I'm watching yeah. it. I don't know. It's not very good. Mm-mm. So, 2001, I'm in the movie theater. Maybe I'm going to see like a Matrix sequel. Hmm. Mm, maybe not. I see a trailer for this movie, and I'm like, this movie looks a little bit up my prepubescent, pre-pubescent alley, I mm-hmm. will say. Right? Like, not because of the surfing. Right. I was just, right, I was not a surfer, I was not a surfist, I'll say, when I was a youngster. I grew up in, like, snowy New England. Surfing was not in my, it was, like, this otherworldly thing that people did. Um, I have tried surfing now. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Yeah, but, like, I was intrigued. But then I just never, like, pulled it together to go see this movie, basically. I had met, this is the only thing that really stands out in my head. I had met this guy at the movie theater. I was 11, and he was like 12 or 13. And we met, like, in the concession line. And we were, like, sort of striking up a conversation. And then we went to go sit down in the movie theater, and we were, like, sitting next to each other. And so we were like, hey, you know? Mm. I was like, friend, kind of. And so we were, like, making comments about like oh yeah this movie looks good <laughs> about blue crotch <laughs> when we watched the trailer like oh uh-huh. that's all i got i never saw that guy again <laughs> never yeah. in my life <laughs> like well we should go see that <laughs> so anyway um yeah so now finally 22 years later i've um i've seen blue crush and I didn't love it. I don't know. What are your feelings about this? I would say my watch through was good. Like, I had an enjoyable time watching this movie, but I don't think it's particularly good. Hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Having oh, watched nice. it two times previous, I didn't remember very much, but I liked this watch through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I'm comparing it to movies that we've watched together here, I thought it was better than... Point Break. Whoa. <laughs> and I was trying to, <laughs> My I was trying first to piece together. Is about how Point Break is does a lot of things here way better. But go ahead, uh-huh. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I liked it more than Point Break, and I was trying to. I didn't look it up right away. I was trying to place the timing of this movie 
uh, in relation to original Fast and the Furious, and I thought Pretty it potentially close. might have come before, but I found out later that it came after. Yeah. But if I try to place myself in the early 2000s, close. I mean, I think Blue Crush, in at least in this watch-through, seemed almost on the same level as the Fast and the Furious one in terms of yeah. enjoyability. Um, and com- I, well, almost like completeness. Almost I, like completeness. I guess I'd maybe put it. I'd maybe put it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd maybe put it there. I, you, I, well, we can dive right in. I don't yeah. think this movie is successful as successful as The Fast and the Furious. We'll get to Point Break. I don't think it's as successful as The Fast and the Furious in creating like in its world building endeavors. Right. I sort of thought it was going to be pretty good. Off the bat, you know, they, like, throw a lot of lingo at you right away, and you're sort of, they're like, just dive in, man. Like, pipe mm-hmm. and, and rails and, you know, all kinds of lingo. I don't even remember. Double, double overhead over yeah. here? Like, sure. There's double overheads. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, sounds great. I really like that off the bat. I'm like, okay, you're just, like, expecting the audience to follow along. They will pick it up in context. It'll be fine. And then, unfortunately, I really... I really think, unfortunately, this movie devolves into, like, an exposition machine that, like, it just can't get its ass out of. I don't know. It must have been just, like, studio noted to death at the pre you know, um, at the focus groups. Because it was just, like, during the competition, there's nothing happens during the competition where you don't have this, like, substructure of some, like, either tertiary character, like, explaining who a person is or the announcer guy, like, second to second explaining to the audience what is happening. And, like, they can see it also happening. You're like, yeah, man, I got it. You know what I mean? Um, and so I felt like they needed to do a better job of just letting you sort of sink into this world of um, surfing and uh, sort of the surf culture of the island and yeah. And then it's like, instead of doing that and building sort of a world around the surf culture, they do it very quickly. And then they immediately move on to like, Oh, there's also this like football world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) All right. I will, I I hear you coming from, I, what I liked about this movie is that, um, I think it was a surfing movie in the in the framework of it just being like contest driven and i've watched a lot of x games skate jams bmx jams that sort of stuff and the the calling out of the tricks and what's happening i thought was you know based on reality and okay. what i appreciate about this movie is that it and didn't just try to be clear to... like for maybe younger listeners this moment 2002 i really feel is like absolutely fucking peak X Games extreme oh, yeah. sports phenomena happening in America, exactly. right? And this movie yeah. is clearly riding on that. Yeah. Right. And so me as a non-surfer, I appreciated some of the announcers and some of the pros commenting on what's going on. I I like that this movie didn't try to infuse some sort of like criminal like other element there's no like police there's nothing weird it's just like right. all right 
We've got Anne-Marie here who is, you know, had the had an injury, is working toward a recovery and a, a re-entry into competitive surfing. Yeah. And that's it. Plus a little bit of a romantic side interest yeah. to um, there was complicated. Yeah. There was a moment when I thought it was so when they like walk into the hotel room, that's the, they they just sort of lay it down. Um, there's a squad of like f- really like four girls, three girls plus a little sister, right? It's mm-hmm. like Kate Bosworth who plays Anne Chadwick, Michelle Rodriguez who plays Eden, uh, and I think her name is Sano, Sano mm-hmm. or Sano Lake who plays Lena, who I believe is in fact a pro surfer or was at the time um, who got a role in this movie. And then Mika Borum who plays the little sister, Penny Chadwick. So Mm -hmm. it's really the four of them. And the three older ones work at a resort hotel as um, uh, like cleaning service people. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where they walk into a hotel room and it's absolutely trash and disgusting and they're like fed up with it. But Mm -hmm. I really thought like that scene sort of make you, you don't quite see what's happening and it's like more is revealed and it gets grosser and grosser. I kind of, there was like I was like oh are they gonna find a dead body like is this is this <laughs> movie like going to be a sort of like devolve into a murder mystery which mm-hmm. I was like oh okay like I can maybe roll with that. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. But it didn't do that. It was just like the footballers' room and that's how they ended up meeting the football squad who are mm-hmm. all apparently on some sort of team vacation <laughs> or something. It's a team vacation, but he, they still had to go to practice. They're pros, right? Yes. Okay. I think they're, yeah, I think they're pros, but it was confusing whether it was supposed to be like an all-star weekend type of event mm. or if they were on straight vacation because <laughs> <laughs> there was practice involved, but also full on. Full on like activities. free time, like learn to surf, you know. <laughs> I will say, yeah, uh, let's put this out there sooner rather than later. I think um, the, yeah, the ma- all of the male characters in this movie to today's standard are dated and sure. their interactions with the women and literally yeah. yeah everybody else in the movie by today's standards horrific but yeah yeah not good yeah not good but i think at the time you know it wouldn't have been i don't so. like that's that was not my issue with this movie you know what i mean i, I Me feel neither. like yeah i was just like i'm putting it out there sooner than rather than later it's just like but i think in that time it would have watched normal yeah, 100%. It's, like, yeah. completely aligned with the MTV, like, you know, spring break culture kind of thing. It's not even that mm. bad. You know what I mean? It's, like, not even, like, down that road too far. It's just, like, you know, babes and, like, <laughs> like hot guys and babes, you know? It's just, like, <laughs> what it is a little bit. So, yeah. But there is definitely that. And it's, like, apparent when you're watching it, for sure. After putting that out there... I really like the football guys. Okay, okay. me too. I, Thank you. I actually I like, like really do. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I like the big. I like the big fat guy. Yep. I like his performance at the luau. I really enjoyed. I think my favorite scene in the movie is them learning to surf on that day, and the mon- the surfing montage that they put together, where the four ladies are training the four football players to surf. 
and as they show their day fun. of fun, oh my god, they've got dogs out there on surfboards. They've got people doing body burials on surfboards. Meanwhile, everybody's jumping on and off. They're doing tandem, even triples on a single surfboard. Yeah, incredible montage. Yeah, no, I think I think they're fun. I think like um, all of them have their own level of like charming wit right and then like our 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 main hero schmobro quarterback or whatever mm-hmm. mr legally blonde i i like at first i definitely had like of like uh like ew this dude yeah. at first he kind of won me over by the, <laughs> the movie i don't know what to tell you like he kind of the movie positions him like so perfectly Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, the girl he says I love you to on the phone isn't his wife. It's his niece. <laughs> it's not even his daughter. It's his niece. His niece. <laughs> right? Or, like, like the musician, the, the movie has no bad things to say about this guy at uh-huh. all, ever. Right? <laughs> So I do think that it helps in us, like sort of him winning us over a little bit. But I didn't, I thought the performance was like pretty genuine. I was like, okay, like this guy is clearly knows what's going on in this movie and is having a good time and is sort of being sentimental and sappy and sweet. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So like the football guys did it. My problem really is with the football shit itself where it felt like, a studio, it really, to me, felt like a studio exec was like, fuck, we have to <laughs> appeal to teenage boys. Like, this this movie is, is going to sink because there's it's like only girls are going to like it. And so, mm-hmm. like, we have to shove something in here that's going to, like, what about football? <laughs> like, let's put football shit in here so that we can appeal to, like, teenage boys and they'll go see this movie, too. I didn't love that part, right? I thought, yeah. like, let's just make a movie about these surfer girls. That'll be fun. And ultimately, like, because the football thing is in there, because this romantic thing is in there, and that's a huge chunk of this movie, mm-hmm. there's, there's sort of frighteningly little surfing in this movie, I will say. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I know the reason, but we'll get to it in a second. Yeah, I, uh, the final thing on the football piece mm. is that I think it was an acceptable way to portray the VIP-ness of penis vip status of the (laughs) (laughs) of this group in 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 contrast to the local you know working class you know ladies here i think that was an effective way to like signal that rather than just these guys being just random rich dudes that showed up i think in choosing potentially to position them as professional athletes rather than just random rich dudes, I think is a better, produces a better outcome. No, I I actually, I do too. But what does happen for me on it is like, it makes the central character's conflict a choice between being like a rich football wife or like a kick-ass champion surfer. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, I don't know. Like, that seems... Seems sort of fine either way. <laughs> either way to me, right? <laughs> like that's sort of the internal conflict that she's having with herself of like, am I spending too much time sort of going after these things that I desire? Am I too am I running too far away from my surfing injury and being afraid there? 
um, is this all this distracting me from what I really want? I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, then that conflict doesn't become too engaging, right? She doesn't actually like, they really get to the competition at the end. And for me, all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, we have to deal with this internal like fear of surfing again. Mm. And that's kind of like ends up being shoved within like two little moments where she's like getting ready to try to get on a wave again. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any breadth to that conflict to build it into something that can crescendo at the end of the movie. It just sort of has to get dealt with. Mm -hmm. Because you have so much football romance. So much football (laughs) romance. It's crazy. Um, Okay. So there is... Yeah. I mean, we don't have to be nasty. I'm not being nasty about this movie. I, I, I think, like, this movie's perfectly serviceable. You know, and like really mm-hmm. watchable. And I can totally see if I had seen this at 11 years old, I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like it a lot more now if I had seen it when I was a youngster. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watched the opening, this is sort of my point break thing, is like the surfing is so... Like, it's, it's so immediately not Kay's Bosworth. It's like, it's crazy, right? When you mm-hmm. see her, she, her like sort of paddling out and then it cuts to somebody, like a completely different person <laughs> surfing whose hair color isn't even the same. Um, that uh, it doesn't, it's so glaringly obvious that I do feel like the producers were like, we need to maybe see the surfing. <laughs> Like, as little as possible so we don't lose this sort of this illusion that Kate Bosworth can surf. Hmm. I know that it's... And, and like, the way that Point Break kind of does this very elegantly, I feel like. You know, there's this, there's that story... They, is they have that opening scene, but it's completely in the morning and it's in complete silhouette. So you don't mm-hmm. actually really see who it is. Like, it's it's Keanu... But you don't see that it's not Keanu because it's this guy in silhouette and he's just surfing. And not only and that, wearing we have full black body suits. Totally. Right? Yeah. And not only that, it's like, um, it's we haven't even met. It's 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 so establishing that piece in the beginning of Point Break. We haven't even really met our characters. So this surfer that's out there in silhouette at the dawn is really like the soul of the ancients, right? Like mm-hmm. it's this sort of ethereal surfer who, who's been been on these waves for a thousand years, right? So it, it gets to this sort of point of it. This movie does not do that. It's like Kate Bosworth paddles out and then like a stunt lady, <laughs> pro surfer, like does some surfing and then Kate Bosworth on a green screen waves the camera <laughs> on surfing. Yeah, with like very unusual lighting for being out in the middle of the ocean. So that's tough. <laughs> that's tough, right? Um, uh, there's that great, but there is that great story. That surfer in the beginning of Point Break is also a pro. You know, it's like Keanu, that story is like Keanu trained and trained and trained and really wanted to be the guy who was, he really wanted to be able to surf like in this mm-hmm. sense. And so they filmed a bunch of Keanu surfing shit. And then like at a certain point they were like, 
we actually really need to. And so like secretly without telling Keanu, they like hired a pro, went out in the crack of dawn and like filmed all these silhouetted shots. And then that's what made it in the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that sort of breaks the illusion for me in, in Blue, Blue Crush. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure here that most of the people on screen in this movie were pro surfers. Right. Include, yeah, like all of the competitors, uh, the one Sano friend. Mm-hmm. I think most of the local boys. I think so too. Pros. And I mean, I think similar to Keanu, Kate here certainly did some training. She got a couple good clips from what I can tell here because I like, I mean, I like the surfing footage. I maybe I was paying attention to it more, but I felt there was like a good amount of surfing in this movie to be a surf movie. And yeah, okay. Having seen some other, I don't know who makes it, but like some other like surf um, video content and stuff, I liked what they did in this movie, which I don't remember them doing very much in Point Break, which is having the like the underwater shot mm. where you have a bunch of people, you have a bunch of guys wearing scuba gear and having movie theater cameras yeah. that are sitting inside of those waves. And you're able to catch that shot where the surfer is coming through pipe. You're in it, and then it goes underwater, and you see them pass across you. That shot is totally. only possible by having like a dude in the water. And I think they did like so much of that, and that's what to me made this feel like a surf movie. Where Point Break, I think we saw a lot of like big weather, big wave out in the distance. Like guys really taken down yeah. big waves, but this felt I mean, like a lot more of a surf movie to you're me. You're right. I guess I was trying, I was maybe more pointing to like, there's less, there's very little of Kate Bosworth's character surfing, like the yeah. main surf, surf girl surfing. She's scared. She's scared. I mean, that is true. <laughs> she is scared, but you know, they do a lot of surfing. There's a whole like youth of a nation. Montage surfing. Yo, montage. all right. I had to look. I had to look. We up gotta that song. talk about. We gotta talk <laughs> had, about that. So I never heard that song before. You never heard that song. Oh my god, I never heard that song before. I heard that song. I was like, "What am I listening to? This is a jammer." Right Yo, now. that song's pretty good. I forget. I like you look up who sings it. Yeah, it's by a band called Pod. I guess oh, I knew it was three letters. I for the yeah. life for the life of me I couldn't remember. I remember that song on MTV when I was a kid. I I heard the song come on out and I went into I asked Siri to figure out what song it was and I took a screen capture because I thought it was the best song among many like very strong surf jam um, like songs in this movie. I thought that one was the best and I it's, saved it. It's a real banger and like when I was twelve, I was like, I'm a young person. I'm I count as youth. <laughs> I live in a nation. That uh-huh. this is relevant to me. Yeah. Um, no, I mean all, all the surfing is good, and everybody is who is surfing in the water is clearly very good at it. And um, mm-hmm. it's like shots fine. I don't think it's like yeah, there's anything super spectacular. Like there's some nice barrel shots and some nice, you know. Yeah, I did really like. Um... That underwater shot where she's training, she has to hold that rock, and she has to run on the uh, floor of the mm, ocean yeah. with, um, what's her name, Eden and Sano on yeah. her shoulders. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. I, I mean, 
listen, I technically I'm not like criticizing this movie very much. You know, I think it's like I just think that there's some weird structure and it focuses on the, some things that it maybe shouldn't focus on and. Mm-hmm. That's about it, you know. Um, but I do think when you get to the climax of this movie, like the championship pipe riders or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. it's it, that is where this movie really falls apart for me. Because one, you have like it's just choppy, like competition, like movie competition. It's I think it's one of the harder things to do because mm-hmm. you have to sort of do build excitement while also doing the same thing over and over again, like. Any fucking any movie that has like a tournament or competition in it, it's so hard to do this thing. It's the Invictus problem too. It's like you ever see that movie Invictus, the mm-hmm. the rugby movie. It's a fucking like they gotta show like six rugby games, and by the sixth one, you're like, we get it. Rugby is hard. <laughs> like yeah, you showed me the highlights at the in the first in the first match. You know right? I mean? lift each other up, no pads. Like so, like building <laughs> competition tension, I think is really hard. And um, I don't think this movie does it very well. I think it's like mm-hmm. they there's all these stakes of like, oh, she's not taking the wave. That's like, good. you know, you're like, I'm sure one will come along, man. Uh-huh. Like, it'll be okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. On that note, though, like, I'm pretty sure everybody does this, but in any underwater scene, are you not trying to hold your breath as long as the main character is on screen? Mm, I am. I'll tell you when I didn't do it. Uh-huh. When I watched Avatar 2, Way of Water. Because those people <laughs> hold their breath a lot in that movie. Right, right. But uh, I do it. Yeah, I have in my life. I feel like done that. I'm not sure I did that on this film, though. I do it on every movie that I watch. And the mm. ones that are memorable to me, I think there was a Mission Impossible where he's trying to like escape from an island. And he's timing his like... No, yeah. He, that's the one where he has to steal that thing in the data center. <laughs> And he's in that like turbine and he has to hold his breath for like six minutes or whatever. Exactly. So yeah. I remember that one. I like, you know, Dom Toretto also had a uh, underwater. Yes, he scene. did. Yep. Yep. And I think, you know, the drama of the surf competition in this movie is heightened by her main fear is that she's going to knock her head and then drown. Okay. Okay. Yes. I agree. And the reef, like, injury thing looks real Super and... Super scary. Painful. <laughs> yeah. They really show it to you in this one. Here's what I'll say. I'm like, you're reading all these articles. Tom Cruise holding his breath for six minutes Mission Impossible. Then all of a sudden, Kate Winslet comes along and fucking Avatar 2 beats his record, holds her breath for seven minutes. You know, like, oh, <laughs> crazy. You know, seven minutes underwater. No, thank you. Like, I'm uh-huh. good. But then in this movie, like, you're chugging through this competition. That is a mission in itself. And mm-hmm. then this exposition guy is over to, who I think is a surfer also, the, mm-hmm. like, announcer. I don't know who it is. But then you've got this whole announcer, and he's like, she's been underwater for 20, 30 seconds without a <laughs> drop of air. You're like, big deal, motherfucker. <laughs> I can do that right now in my bathtub, Okay. Kate Winslet did that eight times over. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It's like the underwater stakes didn't hit it for me. I think it like mm-hmm. looks pretty. The reef shit is visceral. <sighs> yeah. It's just like by the time like the competition rolled around, I'm like, A, there's not a much Michelle Rodriguez in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, not, like by a million percent. 
right? Mm-hmm. Really could have used more, Michelle. Yeah. And two, like, I'm just, this is such a fucking, like, mechanical slog for me at this point. I'm kind of out. Um, and that's it. She, like, doesn't win the competition, but does well, gets a sponsor, kisses her bow, and... Um, roll credits. Roll that's credits, it. man. Roll credits, you know, on Bosworth. And basically her, not in her entire career, but, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She never but- makes up with Eden. Right? Are we no. are we to infer that just by winning the competition, securing the sponsorship, that all is resolved? I think we're to infer that her resolution of her internal conflict, mm-hmm. which is, I'm going to go back out there after I got fucked on the reef in the last round. Mm-hmm. We have that scene where Eden, a.k.a. Michelle Rodriguez, like says, you don't have, you know, that's it. Eden relents, you know, and she says, you don't have to go back out there. Because Eden's been the one who's like, you got to be out there. We got to train. We got to do this. You got to win this competition. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you don't have to go out. It's not worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going. Uh-huh. And to me, that's, I think the movie is a little lazy in this, but that's the movie like tying those two things together is that the resolution of her internal fear and internal conflict is also the resolution of her conflict with Eden. And mm-hmm. like, we can sort of leave it at that. That was my sort of perception of it, basically. Um, Because ultimately, like, Eden is just sort of a conduit to her internal conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of a bummer for Michelle, but that's, you know. (laughs) Um, The last thing I have in my notes, I don't have much else. The last thing I do have is, it is very clear to me that at some point during this movie filming process... Kate Bosworth got a sunburn that was so horrific on her face. (laughs) And like (laughs) half of the scenes of this movie, like, and it's not sequential. Like like one scene, she will be like red as a duck. And (laughs) the next scene, it's just, she's completely pale. They obviously tried to like fix it by like, Caking her face in like makeup and tanner, and it's uh, it is not work very well. And I just would love to be a fly on the wall, like the morning, like the Monday morning she walks in after having spent like falling asleep on the beach over the weekend and be like, I'm yeah. so sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> um, I would really love to see that, but uh, yeah, it was very distracting for me. I noticed that too, and I couldn't piece together why, but mm-hmm. the, you know, the production schedule and the, yeah, like, you can't really undo the sunburn, um, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and, like, you got to uh, film on Monday morning. Come Monday, yeah. it's like, we were, we're shooting, you know? Like, I think in my mind, I'd piece it together as, like, you know, just, like, being a Hawaiian local, like, that just happens, you know? You're... Sure. The, the cycle She's a very fair-skinned... Skin, yeah. yeah, just like naturally goes from like dry to sunburned to tan to extremely moisturized within a normal twenty four hour cycle. Yeah, but it was—I I don't know. That's my theory. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yours is. Maybe it was intentional. You're doing uh, what you should do as a as a as a legitimate critic of art, right? Mm-hmm. The number one rule as a critic of art is to assume genius. Assume that everything. <laughs> assume that everything in the film. Is intentional and was a is a product of genius, but uh-huh. I don't. I'm not doing that in this case. I just I, can't, I don't know if I can get there with the sunburn uh-huh. thing in this case. You know, 
Um, I am out on, on Blue Crush, unless you have anything else. I'm out too, but I'm okay. a pro. I recommend watching this movie. If you haven't already, you should. If you have before, do it again. I'd say if you have before and your nostalgia will sort of carry you through some of the chunkier parts of this movie, go Mm -hmm. for it. If you've never seen it and you're not a diehard Kate Bosworth fan, like I'd say maybe it's like a skippable affair. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. Do you want to get into some shout outs? Are you sure, interested we can in that? Do a little shout out. Yeah, we can shout out a little bit here. Okay, um, I'm gonna. I've got. I'm gonna go first. Okay, does that work for you? Sure. <laughs> so I was. Uh, I had Chris. We had Christmas. Obviously, we celebrate. Mm-hmm. We we celebrate uh, over here in the Nocera household, and um, a bunch of my wife's family came over, including her little niece, who's about five years old, and she brought along this toy. And it was like this dragon that was like uh, this articulated dragon toy. It was just mm-hmm. whatever. But I l- was looking at it. And um, her, you know, her mom, my, my sister-in-law was like, oh, yeah, we bought that at the market. They, they, it was 3D printed. Mm. It was 3D cool. printed. So it was like printed as one whole thing. And then you took it off the 3D printing plate and it sort of was able to articulate like a little... Like like a Chinese dragon or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. This thing was a giant piece of shit. And it got me thinking, <laughs> just like quality, it just felt horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I hope A, this is not the future of toys, but B, every single thing I've ever seen that's been 3D printed is a, is a giant piece of junk. 3D printers are just like fucking... Absolute useless garbage making machines. And so my anti shout out is to 3D printing in general. <laughs> I just think it's horrible. And like, I, I there's never, I have never experienced, like, gone up to a piece of thing that's 3D printed and been like, oh, this is real quality. Ooh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> this is really a piece of quality, like, material. It's like, you could have never made this with normal production methods. <laughs> It's like, if you're not injection molding, dog, like, get out of here, bro. Uh-huh, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. That's all. I just think, like, 3D printing is basically junk, and, like, people should stop, stop making, like, a bunch of useless plastic garbage every day. Uh-huh. That's where I'm at. <laughs> That's where I'm at. So, nice. anti-shout-out to 3D printing. All right. Um, I'll do a quick anti-shout-out, then. Um, to, so I've been building up a small coffee laboratory mm. at my office because the Keurig that is provided is terrible. So mm. I've been putting together a number of different items here. I've been working on my pour over coffee setup. I've got a little pour over thing. Nice. A little V60 boy. situation mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. I've got a gooseneck, uh, water boiler, wow. which is very nice. I've been taking my uh, Bloom concept and uh, really perfecting it. Uh, But it was recommended to me recently to get a scale so I could more precisely measure my beans and my water uh, content. I got one recently. Useless. Okay. Really? I mean, for me, at least, I, I spent three weeks or so just estimating in terms of my coffee, yeah, my bean to water ratio, as well as my, um, you know, of my four pour over pours, like how much water to do in each one. 
I perfected it by hand and I and the coffee that I can produce in just like looking at it is better than if I hmm. or weighing it. it out. Really? That's yeah. very, very interesting. So I think there, you know, in terms of fourth wave coffee, I think there is certainly something to do and enjoy. But for me personally, it's not necessary to go as far as to weigh your stuff in terms of what's going on. Well, I subscribe to a YouTube. This is a this is a little inside. Uh There's a YouTube coffee guy. Now I make instant coffee. That's what I do here. (laughs) I put instant coffee crystals in a cup. I put hot water in. I stir it. I put milk in because Uh because and the only reason I do that here is because I can't readily get um, giant cups of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which is Uh the only thing I actually want (laughs) in my life, actually ever. Uh-huh. So um, there's, but there is a guy named James Huffman on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, who um, he does a lot of espresso videos, but he talks about pour over coffee stuff too. Very mm-hmm. interesting, this guy. Very interesting. Um, but he does weigh out his stuff and talks about sort of like inputs and extraction and like weight in and weight out and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, seems to know what he's talking about. I think there is some scientific method to it, but in the same way that you like don't actually know your friend's address because you go like you look it up once and then you go there and then you remember where it is Mm. and you don't know the number to it. That's where I've arrived with my pour over setup is that it's not necessary for me to measure it out. I found a you know, approximate approximation of something. I think that's great. If you're extracting, to me. I say extracting like an asshole. If you're making coffee <laughs> that you like to drink, I think that's the whole point of this game, right? Yeah. So I think ride your wave, man. To sort of tie it back to uh, <laughs> Blue Crush, ride your wave. That's right. Ride right? your wave. Ride your wave. Just ride your wave. So, uh, all right, so shout, anti-shout-out to scales. Scales. <laughs> scales. Coffee scales. Don't it's not them. necessary. Fuck Just em. practice a couple times and uh, ride your way. Love it. Love that attitude, bro. Um, okay, and then so next week is back to basics, huh? Are we going mm-hmm. forwards? Are we going backwards? What are we doing? Um... I don't know. Okay. Do you want backwards? to watch like 10, ep- 10, 10 weeks of like Hobbs and Shaw? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Fair enough. Let's just do a good old-fashioned classic cycle. One to nine. Plus Hobbs and Shaw. Cool. Let's All right. It. Get ready for uh, The Fast and the Furious next week. In, oh, well, in two weeks, I guess. And uh, we'll, if you have any... Questions or comments or concerns, you can tweet us at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast. We are No One Likes the Tuna Podcast on Instagram. We're No One Likes the Tuna Podcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash No One Likes the Tuna Podcast. If you want to throw us a buck, we've got some extra episodes on there, and you get to vote on the polls to pick what movie we watch in these in-betweener episodes. And uh, rate and review us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you're catching your pods these days, shoot us a review. Be really helpful. We love you guys. Uh, That's going to be it from me.
Till next time, Cycle 26.